What's going on guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper. If you're new to the channel, yes, I know I look like a basketball channel and I am, but I love the beautiful game and I've been doing World Cup coverage. Coverage. I was at the World Cup, so check out those videos. But in this video, I'm going to be talking real quickly about why the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar surpassed all expectations, even with all the negativity surrounding it, and it wasn't a perfect tournament. I'm going to be talking about that as well. But in a brief rundown, just summarizing the whole experience. Uh, as you can see, I'm wearing an Iranian football shirt. I am. My parents are from Iran. I am from Los Angeles, and I went all the way out there to Doha. It was my first time going to a World Cup, and I got a lot to say about the experience and just the way that they ran that tournament. But let's start off with the, the negatives of the tournament, and they started way before the tournament even started, and that was the country of Qatar getting to host a World Cup. Now, me as a Middle Eastern man, I love that the Middle East is getting exposure like that, and I love the Middle Eastern theme around this World Cup, even in like the promo, the song, you know what I mean, like the introduction video, all that stuff. Seeing the traditional clothing in the crowd, you know, you love to see that. You love to see each World Cup using the country that it is in to kind of form that culture around it. But let's start with the migrant workers, the six thousand reported that died now obviously the qatari government has said that this number is exaggerated but there's no secret that there are a lot of people that died building these eight incredible stadiums and it's very sad that should never happen and shame on fifa who's always been corrupt in my lifetime but shame on them for doing that also it was the shortest world cup as well for obvious reason and that reason being that it was in the middle of the season because the climate was deemed too hot in qatar to do in the summer so they made it a winter world cup which personally i did not like i think it's ridiculous that it happened in the middle of the season and i hope to never experience that ever again despite how great a tournament it is it was and i'm going to be talking about why it was so great but that I hope to never experience again. I love the Summer World Cups. The vibes are incredible. It just seems like, I don't know, it's just nostalgic for me. And I just absolutely love it. The players shouldn't have to leave in the middle of the season and then come back. It's just weird. And hopefully never happens again. And because of that, a lot of players got injured. Now, there's always injuries going into World Cups. But it was even more drastic in this World Cup. You know, guys like Sadio Mane who for Senegal is the face of their country, face of their team, arguably, a, a, you know, you can argue with Salah, best player in the continent, and has been in that conversation for a couple years now, did not get to play, and they made it to the round of 16. Benzema, Ballon d'Or winner, the current Ballon d'Or golden ball winner, injured right before the tournament. No N'Golo Kante, no Paul Pogba, but they've struggled with their injury problems in the last four years. No Corona for Mexico, and so a lot of, you know, I can go down the line and keep talking about injuries, but I just did not like the early World Cup. Let's talk about the problems that I actually encountered when I went there. So overall, I, I'm going to talk, I think they did a lot more good than bad. And I'm going to, again, I keep teasing it, teasing it, but I'm going to be talking obviously, as the title of this video suggests, about the good. But the one thing that was interesting to me is it seemed like the entire city of Doha, and mind you, these eight stadiums were not that far from each other. They were all around Doha. Now, I'm not going to estimate off the top of my head how much, how far they were from each other or within how many miles or kilometers they were of each other because I don't know where you could be watching this video from, but they were all fairly close. 
So everybody and all the teams for the most part were stationed in Doha or a neighboring city around it. Doha being the capital, if you weren't hit by now, you should have known if you watched the tournament. But that is what made it unique. But what I noticed about it, I'm again, I'm going to get to the positives. I keep teasing it. There weren't that many women relative to what you'd expect at a tournament like this. And mind you, I was only there for three days. So if you're watching this and you were there the whole time, please check me in the comments and say, no, you only were there for three days, buddy. You can't say this. Please say that. But for, in my experience, there weren't that many women relative to what you'd expect. And that's no secret. There's no secret why. Women's rights are just different in the Middle East, including in Iran, where my parents are from. And that brings me to the biggest problem of all. If you go to the FIFA World Cup 2022 Qatar Wikipedia, at this point, they have a section titled these controversies in Iran or what, you know, women in Iran, whatever. Listen, I went to the opening game against England. You can see the vlog. First issue, I can't bring in the flag that I want to bring in, the old flag of Iran before the Islamic Republic because it is a political statement. There was no free speech in this kind of tournament. There was no, you know, you already saw the whole controversy with the anti-gay stuff and the German team putting their hand over their mouths and all that. So, you know, the Grant Wall getting his shirt confiscated or whatever with the rainbow on it. So in terms of the... LGBTQ rights, that was already, you know, you couldn't really do anything about that. No statements there. No freedom of speech as I'm used to in America. And look, I know in the Western world it's different. And we got to accept the culture over there. But to be honest, when it comes to the World Cup, something that's supposed to feel safe for people, there's a reason I haven't been to Iran yet and my parents don't let me go. It's not the safest right now. And I think... When people are wearing free Iran shirts and Zan Zendegi Azadi, which means women, life, freedom, these were where people were wearing these shirts and getting them confiscated, getting them taken away, even some of them getting detained after the game, which these happened. You could see it on Instagram. I couldn't bring in my OG flag because they were going to take it away because FIFA has told them, because the Qataris are cool with the Islamic Republic of Iran, that not to let this flag in. They were checking people's flags. I saw it with my own two eyes. And I didn't bring it in because if they had seen it, they would have t taken it away, taken a picture of me because there were so many Iranian cronies out there, not that I saw them, but we knew they were out there, spying and putting me on a list. It would have put me on a list so I could never enter the country of my parents' birth. That would have been a nightmare. So I really hope that in four years' time in U.S., Mexico, and Canada, we don't got to deal with these kind of issues, but FIFA, at the end of the day, is the real villain overall. O other than that, no alcohol. That was a problem. Uh, for a tournament this fun, it was just ridiculous. You had to go to the most obscure places to try to find alcohol, like an English pub inside of a hotel or a scheduled you know, drinking event at a beer garden. It was so hard. And of course, they made the statement that they were going to let people drink. And then they said, no, only around the stadium, not actually inside. Then days before the opening game, they said no alcohol at all. And all you could get at the game were Budweiser Zeros. That was ridiculous, and I just was sober on most of the games, and mind you, it's still the World Cup. I'm not going to complain. I went to four games. It was awesome. It was awesome, and I was sober basically at every single one, but damn, it would have been nice if I got a couple of drinks in there. I'll tell you that. Also, controversies lying about attendance. I, was, I saw a couple of empty seats next to me, a good amount. Now, I know that a sellout just means every seat is sold, 
but it still it looked a little shaky even on TV throughout the tournament. So there's no reason why I've never seen a World Cup where games aren't sold out to the brim. If there were before my time, please let me know. Um, as far as leaving stadiums, that was a problem too. The Metro system looked like it was made specifically for this tournament, and I think it was. And they did an amazing job with it. It was really good. They had so many workers, and shout out to the workers. They were awesome. So many people from so many different backgrounds working there. But you had to like wait in a line after all three stadiums I went to, Ahmed bin Ali, Ahmad bin Ali, Khalifa, and Al Janoub. We had to wait in the line before they let a certain amount of people go in the Metro, and then every two minutes or so, they stopped it, and we had to wait even longer outside. It was a kind of a nightmare leaving, but it's a small country, and this was a really overwhelming thing for them. My question is, what's going to happen to this country when that now that this tournament's over? Because it they, it looked beautiful, the corniche, the the you know where the water is by the tall buildings, the beautiful skyline. It was awesome, but man, the second we got out of the airport, there were signs everywhere. Qatar 2022. The cab driver was like, "We've been waiting for this for 10 years." I don't know what that is going to happen to that city. <laughs> after this tournament's over probably not much is going on over there and then the last critique i have besides that before we get to the positives i know i've drawn this out and i'm not clickbaiting you it was qatar as a host as far as a footballing nation poor the worst ever and there were some dud games early on six nil nil games and 24 games tied at nil nil going into halftime which honestly i don't mind if there's a goal or multiple in the second half. But there were some dud early games. Six nil-nils compared to one in Russia. But I will say there were six in South Africa. Russia was an exceptional group stage. But, and the round of 16 was very predictable, I might add. Besides two games, which were the obvious, in my opinion, the obvious two games that were the least predictable. Especially Japan and Croatia. But let's get to all the positives. So, the city of Doha... Is really pretty, honestly. You'd be surprised. The skyline is beautiful. The water uh, by the skyline called the Corniche, that walk, it was so cool. And the workers. You know what's funny is I didn't actually meet that many Qatari local workers. Everybody, everybody was from either like United Arab Emirates or India or various countries in Africa. I met Ghanaians. A bunch of West Africans working in the metros. But, you know, more Arab type, you know, Jordanians. These people working in the cabs. But again, I'm going to say I was only there for three days. But in those three days, it was so... the My favorite part, and this is something that we're not going to experience in the USA. And not, and I know from people that went to all three of the last World Cups, they said that in Brazil and Russia, it was not like this. As I mentioned earlier, all these stadiums were in close proximity to one another. Morocco was staying at my hotel, the one that I was at. Or I should say I was staying at their hotel. There was a whole line in front. We had to go through the back and through security check every single time we went inside because the whole front of the hotel was blocked off and we saw the Morocco team bus when we arrived for the first time. They weren't inside, but that was when we knew that Morocco was staying there. And no, I didn't see any players in the hotel. We didn't spend much time in the hotel. But everyone was basically in Doha or close to Doha. So when you went to the train station or just walked around the city, you would see people from every single team. And that is something that you're not going to probably experience in the U.S. If Argentina is playing a game in New York City and there's games going on in Texas or Los Angeles, you're probably not going to see many Argentinians walking around. This was such an incredible experience. I saw people from so many different cultures, talked to people with, from so many different countries, and man, I'll tell you what, I am so blessed to even say that I was even at a World Cup. 
you know, wherever you are in life, if you're watching this video, do your best. And we all got to do our best. This goes for me too, to make more money to get to these World Cups because it is an experience of a lifetime indeed. And I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. And I think that the people of Doha and the actual country of Qatar, given their resources, did a pretty damn good job. The stadiums outside of Khalifa, if you want to see why I don't like that stadium, check the vlogs out. But outside of Khalifa, all these stadiums were beautiful. And the people did such a great job overall, like the workers. It was just pretty well put together. The metro system, you can get places very easily. And in, within two minutes, the trains would come. I also think that you had to enjoy this tournament for the football, the soccer, if you're American. That's what always defines the tournament at the end. The games will do the talking. And despite the fact that the COVID pandemic happened in the middle of this World Cup cycle, thank goodness it didn't impact the World Cup like that. Thank goodness there were sold out crowds and people could touch each other again. That is something that I have to be thankful for as well. So shout out to everybody, all the doctors and whatnot that have helped mitigate the pandemic. Also, this World Cup is the last one with 32 teams. And for me, I've only known it as a 32 team event. My first one was 2006. So it's just sad for me because I think it's amazing the way it is. And the World Cup for me, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I know there's a lot of things that are broken about it, um, but that's more to do with FIFA's corruption. I think it's a great turn, the best tournament in sports, and I don't think that it should be t altered like that. Uh, 48 teams is a lot, and as a guy that is a fan of a team in CONCACAF and Asia, AFC, Asia and, and CONCACAF do not need more teams. Africa, I'm stoked on that. Absolutely deserving of more teams. A South American, I don't, I'm not even sure. I haven't even looked in a while. I've just been so into this World Cup if they're adding a South American team or not, but they absolutely should. But I'm not really excited about seeing, you know, teams like Kuwait. You know what I mean? Like if they make it or, or I'm not going to get disrespectful on here. But hey, maybe Iran has a better chance of making it out of a group. Let's put it that way. But it's the last one with 32 teams. And I think it was, it's just beautiful. 32 teams. I think it's beautiful. I also think we had a lack of injuries inside the tourney. I talked about the injuries before the tournament, but within the tournament, yes, players got injured here and there and got knocked up. Okay. Got, got knocks here and there, but overall there weren't too many things. Oh, if this guy hadn't gotten hurt in the tournament, to be honest. And if there were that I'm forgetting, please comment. Talked about the small location, the Middle Eastern feel. I think every single World Cup takes the form and the theme of where it's at. For the South Africa World Cup, you had the Vuvuzelas and these dancing African fans banging the drums and painting their face. It was just amazing. And then Brazil, the island theme, you know, the Copacabana Beach Studios, the South American countries on full display, and just the blue and yellow vibes, you know, the blue, yellow, and green vibes. And then Russia... It took its own shape and form. I wasn't as big of a fan. But Qatar had this the Middle Eastern feel to it. First Middle Eastern World Cup. And I thought that, you know, the logos, the artwork, everything was beautiful. The songs even. <laughs> the little baby one was ridiculous. But as far as the football is concerned, I talked about some dud games early on. But man, we had some shocking results right away. Including a game that I was at. Japan versus Germany. What a game. Saudi Arabia versus Argentina. I mean, shocked the absolute world. So many Arabs out there. And the, you know, the Saudis were so lit. Boys and girls uh, after that. Uh, in those couple of days that I was there. 
Also, the best last round of group games I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, the drama from the Argentina and Mexico group, unbelievable. The Germany, Spain, Costa Rica, Japan group, ridiculous. Even the Portugal, South Korea, Ghana, Uruguay. I mean, it was just absolute madness. And if I'm forgetting another one off the top of my head, please put it in the comments. The Serbia-Switzerland game. It was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Denmark not making it out of the group stage. Belgium flaming out. There were some amazing themes in this World Cup. Morocco winning their, in that last round of games, I should say. Mexico finally not making it out of the group. I mean, it's been so long. I think since 78. Morocco making it out of the group as group winners. And the first ever World Cup where every African team won a game. So let's give a hand for Africa. I'm a big African football advocate. So, you know, I watch my favorite. Didier Drogba is basically my favorite player of all time. Chelsea fan, yes. And I know I watch African Cup of Nations, all that. Love West African teams especially. And it was the first ever World Cup where every Asian team that qualified, so not counting Qatar, won a game. Saudi Arabia won, my Iran beat Wales, and then Japan obviously won, and South Korea won. Just unbelievable diversity in the teams that won. Germany not making it out of the group stage for the second consecutive World Cup. This is the team that I saw smash teams up for fun when I was a kid. And then France breaking the very recent uh, defending champion curse, making it out of the group stage and being, I think, the first team to qualify out of their group, I mean, out, out of the out first team to qualify to the knockout phase. And then even though I said we had a mediocre round of 16 in terms of it was predictable. Now, I don't want to say mediocre games because I had fun watching every single one because it's the freaking World Cup. Um, but I'm just comparing it to the other World Cups that I've seen. And I think that the round of 16 was fairly predictable. But it set us up for an incredible quarterfinal round that was up there with as any World Cup that I've watched. I mean, the Argentina-Netherlands game, incredible scenes, unbelievable. Going into penalties, but that game, you could have watched 30 more minutes of that game. It seemed like there was there were goals coming. The late set piece to tie the game, unbelievable. And then Brazil-Croatia, honestly, a game that I was very disappointed with to penalties. I thought we could have seen 30 more minutes of that game because it felt like goals were coming. But on that one, as great as Croatia were, I think Brazil are still overall a better team. But that's the way... It, the cookie crumbles sometimes in tournament football. You just don't know. The best team doesn't always win. But that being said, Croatia earned it in that game. You know, they played them just as well, in my opinion. Brazil had a couple more chances as, as to be expected, but Croatia really were bossing that game for a little bit. And shout out to Luka Modric, whose brilliance again, we all got to witness firsthand, even at 37 years old. One of the greatest midfielders of my time, and you could argue one of the greatest in the history of the sport, to lead a country of less than 4 million people, even though they have great footballers, great players, great, to lead them to two consecutive semifinals, a third-place finish and a second-place finish at the age that he was at for each tournament. Absolutely stuff of legend. Stuff of legend. And what were the other two quarterfinals? Morocco beating Portugal. I mean, unbelievable. Seeing an African team make it to the semifinals for the first time. I think that's one of the biggest top three highlights of this tournament was 
that an African team made it to the semifinals and Moroccans don't think I'm not going to have a little something on you guys. I, of course I will. Because you can't talk about this World Cup without talking about Morocco. But what a quarterfinals it was. What an incredible scene. And England and France topped them all. Two heavyweights, a great game. A game in which, in my opinion, England were the better team. But France, so clinical, taking their chances as always. And shout out to Olivier Giroud. Chelsea, not really a legend, but we love him. We love him and I love him. And he continues to prove the doubters wrong and has completely changed public perception about him. And of course, a very good semifinal round. Very good semifinal round. But not honestly, not, not too great of a semifinal round, in my opinion. Still exciting, but... I've seen better. Man, oh man. A reason why, my opinion, this is the second best World Cup, in my opinion, of my lifetime. Now, that's very subjective. Very subjective. Whatever is nostalgic for you, whatever your criteria may be. It was my second favorite World Cup. And you might be thinking, man, you went to the World Cup and it's your second favorite? Yeah, Brazil was my favorite for a variety of reasons. But, and I already listed the negatives of the beginning of the video or why this is my second favorite. But listen, it was third. But when that final happened, oh my God, that took it to a whole nother level. For the first 70 minutes, and this is what's so amazing about this sport, I was saying this was the worst World Cup final of my lifetime. I was like, I shouldn't say my lifetime because 2002, I actually watched it on the plane to Qatar and it wasn't very good. It wasn't a great game. But 06, 2010, and 2014 were dramatic. In 2018, I had a lot of goals. When Argentina were just bossing the game, 70th minute, 75th minute, I was like, this is the worst World Cup final of my lifetime. And within 40 minutes, I was saying, this is the best World Cup final of my lifetime. Maybe the best game I've ever watched in terms of the stakes and what you were seeing from two just incredible players. Great teams. Great teams. But in my opinion, either one of them winning were going to be the worst World Cup winner of my lifetime. And that's not to take away anything from them. Because they were all amazing teams. You, it's so hard to win a World Cup. It's so hard. But 06 Italy, 2010, 02 Brazil, 2010 Spain, and 2014 Germany, 2018 France, in my opinion, were just exceptional as well and a little bit better. But these two teams, it was so cool how they went at it. And Kylian Mbappé, what a fucking player, man. What a fucking player. Unbelievable the way he bounced back from that Euro Cup. You know, everybody seemed to forget about that. Uh, I guarantee you he didn't. Because he was amazing in both of these World Cups. But that Euro Cup, him missing the penalty and penalties, you know, everybody misses. It happens. But, man, I know that hurt him. And to lose in the quarterfinals to blow a 3-1 lead. Or was it the round of 16 they lost in? I think it was the round of 16 they lost in France. And blow a 3-1 lead. And then losing pens. It was a disaster. They came back so strong. That volley was just unbelievable. And shout out to Deschamps. Made big changes. And, phew, the young lads. They came in and changed the game. Turam, Kolomwani, and of course Kingsley Coman, who sadly missed the last World Cup with injury. Amazing turnaround. I wanted Messi to get the late winner. I wanted that to be the winner. 3-2. Not go to penalties. Because a game that great, it really shouldn't have been decided on penalties. But it was. France had their chances too. And Kolomwani, my heart goes out to him because... He'll be thinking about that one for a while, that last miss. And Emmy Martinez, what an incredible save. What an amazing, amazing tournament he had. And tournament he tournaments he's had recently for, our, for Argentina. And, of course, Messi. What can you say? The storybook ending, 
I never thought this would happen. I'm not going to lie. After 2014, I thought the best chance he would have of winning an international trophy was Copa America. I never thought after 2018 that he would win a World Cup again. But shout out to Scaloni, the way he brought this team together, the way they play with their lives on the line, how organized they were at the back throughout the tournament. It was very uncharacteristic to see them concede three goals like that. But France is an amazing team, and they have a special player and special talent as well. But Leo Messi, I mean, what can you say now? What can you say? He has done everything in the game. He's had the best career, bar none, of anybody that's ever played club and country. It's amazing what he did. At times, this Argentina team was not creating chances in this tournament. And he would do something out of nothing to create a chance, to score a goal, to get an assist, to create space. It was unbelievable. He willed them, even at his age. And what's crazy is out of everything we've seen this guy do, everything we've seen him do, his greatest footballing achievement, his greatest achievement in the game came outside of his prime. Just insane how good he is. And honestly, I'm so blessed to have watched him play. And I've been saying this for a long time, and Americans always look at me crazy when I say this, but you know, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Ovechkin, Kobe Bryant, out of all these guys, I think that Messi is the greatest athlete that I've seen in his game. Not his athleticism, but the greatest at his game relative to everyone else. I truly believe that. I've been saying that for a while. I can stand on it even stronger now, even though I wouldn't have changed my opinion whether he won or lost. But to me, Messi's just incredible. The way he's made grown professionals, world-class players, look like fools for a decade plus. And at the level that he's done it, you know, people are always going to hate. And there's always going to be people that are saying, oh, he should have played another league, all this stuff. But what I, what I, I, sometimes I've just had to, honestly, I've been tempted to just turn off the TV and be like, I'm just not worthy to watch this guy play. I mean, it's, he's just the things that he does with the ball. It's like it's attached to his foot. It's like he's just gliding on the pitch. Like it's just, he's just a special player, a special player that I'm, even though I'm not even a Messi fanboy, like it's funny, I'm like almost getting emotional sitting here talking about this. I'm a Chelsea fan. I have never rooted for Messi at club level at all. But there's a level of respect that I have for somebody that great who doesn't really say anything, just does his business, just plays the game. And wow, just a very humble, humble player. Just, it's been an honor to watch his basically the majority of his career. The majority, yeah, like I've seen him now for about. 13 years, and it's been an honor, to be honest. And this is just incredible, what he did. Just incredible. I got no words, but I'm just blessed to be a witness for it all. And also, the reason why I say that I think Messi is the best player in his sport relative to everybody else is because I'm also more fascinated with, I think, being better at this game, the most popular sport in the world that everyone around the world plays, that is accessible to people regardless of size, is... What makes it that much more amazing that this 5'7 wizard with the ball is just better at this game than everybody else. He's incredible. And last but not least, as I said, every single World Cup takes the character of the place that it was in. And this World Cup was for the first time in a Muslim-speaking country. Oh, no, I'm sorry. In a Muslim country and in an Arab-speaking country. It was the first World Cup for the Muslim world and the Arab world. And in this World Cup, 
It was those fans, the Saudis, the Qataris, but mainly, for me and my experience, the North Africans. This World Cup was about them. Every World Cup, as I said, takes the identity of the host, identity of the host and the theme of it. The African, the South Africa World Cup, it was just amazing seeing the African fans, the Vuvuzelas, the Ghanaian support. It was just unreal. 2014, the sea of whatever South American country was playing, Colombia, Chile, Brazil, it doesn't matter. It was incredible scenes. Russia, it didn't really feel like it had that same feel. I mean, the European teams had a lot of people there. But the Moroccan and Tunisian support was out of control. Even Saudi Arabia and Iran. Uh, Iran, it was, we dominated every single game fan-wise. Every single game, 60-plus percent was Iranians. But the, the Moroccans were just on another level. I saw a flag walking around Doha every five minutes, whether it was at a train station, walking around the city, a Moroccan flag all the time. The atmosphere that they put on at every single game, I, it was incredible. I wish I had gotten to see a Morocco game live, but so happy for them. They made history. All the players, Bonu, Ashraf Hakimi, Ziyech, shout out to Hakim. Hope he does better to end this season for Chelsea. Everyone, Amrabat, I mean, Unahi, everybody. Everybody. The coach. 15 out of 16 managers that made the knockout stage, by the way. countries from the, They're from the country that they are managing, domestic. That's an unbelievable achievement for them and an incredible fact. But it was all about the Moroccans, the Tunisians who... The Tunisians, I would say they were like, and I kid you not, I don't mean to sound offensive, but they were like the Moroccans on crack. Like they were just, every single time I saw a group of them, they would make a scene. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing. On the train, they would sing and wear their jerseys and flags even when they weren't playing. Like it was just a, nuts. I, went, I watched a game at a park near the fan zone with them, and it was, oh my God. If anybody was speaking for one of Denmark to win, they looked like they were about to fight. They were on another level, singing and dancing in the park. You can see it. It's in my France vlog. But wow, they were incredible. And I, one of my uh, you know, good family friends went to a game, the Tunisia-Denmark game, and he said they were standing up the entire 90 minutes. It was insane. So shout out to the North Africans. To me, this World Cup will always be remembered, mainly for you guys and the fans, the, the way you guys supported your teams and the presence that you had. It was unbelievable. It was insane. And I'm looking forward to the USA and Mexico and Canada putting their stamp on the next World Cup. But wow. And Iran, of course. And Iran. Hopefully things get better by then in terms of the government. But wow. What a World Cup it was. For me, my second favorite. It's just the greatest event in sports. And I'm so sad it's over. I went next level for this World Cup. Not only did I go, but when I came back, I didn't even want to adjust my sleeping schedule back to Pacific time. I stayed up all night. Went to sleep in the morning. Like literally, I went to sleep after the last game finished at like one o'clock. And then when I went back to work, I would, just, you know, slowly the games became 7 a.m. local time starts. And if Morocco was playing, I always had to wake up for that national anthem 10 minutes before because it was so electric, just booming. It was an amazing World Cup. I'm always going to cherish the memories. Four years, we got to wait. But it's not like we're not going to watch the game in the meantime, of course. I mean, I'm not one of those fans. I'll watch year round. But there's nothing like the World Cup, man. I think even as, as soccer, football fans, we can all say that. There's nothing like the World Cup. The passion, the money that's put into it. It's never going to be the same now that it's going to be 48 teams. But man, I'm going to miss this experience. And I'm always going to remember the songs, the sounds, the sights of Qatar. The graphics. Everything about it. 
Iran got a win. Only one of three wins they've ever had at a World Cup. The USA made it out of the group. Messi won it. I was there. I can't say anything else. But thank you for watching this video. And make sure to subscribe to my channel. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm a huge fan of the game. I am a basketball guy, though, first and foremost. But I can I still plan on making especially international tournament content going forward in the years to come. Thank you so much. And be easy. I love all of you. The World Cup brings everybody together. Leave a comment about what your favorite moment of the World Cup was.